today's readings are from Revelation. First is Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. And then we have two short readings from Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, and verses 14 and 20. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And from chapter 3. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Thanks be to God. Now, in the earlier part of this week, as the more stringent measures were announced by the government on Monday evening, it seemed as if so many doors were being closed in front of us. There were school doors, closed to the majority of children and young people, with some exceptions, of course. And this closed door has led to immense changes and challenges in family life. Many of you I know are being incredibly creative in setting up school at home, and sharing ideas and resources. And all across the world, lessons are being taught remotely. Google Classroom or other forms of communication have become the norm because the school doors, by and large, are now closed. Shop doors have been closed, and that's made a huge difference to people's lifestyles. Just the essential stores remaining open to supply food and medicines and so on. Every high street looks totally different now. Office doors, mainly closed, except where the work cannot possibly be carried out at home. Face-to-face -face conversation has rapidly been uh, changed to online meetings, emails, texts, and of course, we've re rediscovered the value of making phone calls. University campuses, normally teething with life, crowded with young people, now quiet and still. Church doors, clearly required now to be closed. And the same is true right across the world. Christians are finding new ways to gather and new ways to worship. And tourism doors are closed as well. So that in this country, places like National Trust properties, both houses and gardens now all closed. Theme parks and similar attractions all closed.
Everywhere is closed. And for me this week, the summary of this would be in an image that I was sent earlier in the week of the door to Temple Mount in Jerusalem, which is firmly closed. Now, this is a hugely significant site. It's central to Judaism, to Islam, and of great interest to Christians. It is sometimes closed to tourists because of unrest, sometimes closed due to political skirmishes or things like that. But now that door is firmly closed to everyone for exactly the same reason, coronavirus. And the final doors to be closed, of course, are the doors to our own houses. House doors close with the firm message, stay at home. Never before have we witnessed the closure of doors on such a massive scale. Now, our reading from the book of Revelation was a selection of verses from chapter 1 and chapter 3. And the verse which I particularly want to highlight today is the opening of the paragraph that was written to the church in Philadelphia, where we read in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8, See, I have placed before you an open door which no one can shut. In this world of closed doors, God is giving to you today an open door which no one can shut. The government cannot shut it, the police cannot shut it, neighbourhood watch cannot shut it, no human authority, no human community. No one can shut the door which God is opening in front of us today. In a world of closed doors, God is giving to you and to me an open door which no one can shut. Now I could take a lot of time to talk about the background to this verse, but just a very few comments are enough for today. It's one of the seven letters that are recorded in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 to different churches. And all those letters are part of a bigger vision which the Apostle John had of Christ himself. The meaning of Philadelphia is, interestingly, love for a brother. Love for a brother. Meant to be inclusively, of course, of brother and sister. And here was a church which had remained true to the word of God which had expressed their faith appropriately in their actions. Christ knew their heart and saw their deeds and declared that God was placing before them a door which was open and nobody could shut it. They felt as if they had little strength. They felt that maybe on the surface they were not as successful as some of their neighbours. But God knew their hearts and God placed before them an open door. The letter suggests that there would be testing times ahead, but the message from the risen Christ was that this church should remain firm in its faith, endure patiently and hold on to what they have. And today God is saying to you and me, I have placed before you an open door. What does that mean to us now? When so many other doors are closed in front of us, what is this open door all about? Now, there are many, many answers that could be given to that. But there are just three that I'd particularly like to share with you now. The first and foremost, this is a door that is open to Christ. It's to Jesus himself. In the following paragraph, in the message to the church at Laodicea, we have one of the most famous texts in the New Testament about doors. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come in 
I will eat with them and they will eat with me. They're the images of Christ outside the door and we need to let him in. But in our text today, the message to the church at Philadelphia has the image in reverse. Christ himself has opened the door and invites us in. And both of those, of course, are absolutely true. Today, the door is wide open to Jesus himself. He is as fully present in your home this morning than anywhere else in the world. And he presents to you an open door which no one can shut. So you can meet with him now, you can trust him now, you can turn to him now. And the point is that that door is not closed to Jesus. It is wide open today. It may be that for some of you, this whole experience of living in such a restricted life is affecting you deeply. And somehow it's hard to get a sense of perspective as each day is such a blur. But the door to Jesus is open and he is the one sure foundation of our faith. And he can be the rhythm for our life as we regularly come to him and acknowledge that he is there. It is a door that is open to Christ. But then also this same door is open to prayer. And prayer is so important at this time. There are different kinds of prayer and they all matter. Prayer can be expressing praise to God and being thankful for his blessings. Prayer can just capture so much of the goodness of God. And I'm grateful that as I have spoken to people this week, I have sensed a true spirit of gratitude amongst the congregation, that people are watching out for each other and they're truly thankful to God for the way in which he is watching over us. And that spirit of gratitude and thankfulness needs to be sustained and our prayers of thanksgiving need to continue. But prayer also includes confession and this is so, so important. Because if we're truly to encounter God day by day, if that door is really going to be open to Jesus, we have to say sorry for those things that are wrong and turn right away from them. And we have to come to Jesus and trust him to forgive us and to cleanse us from everything that is wrong and to bring us into the right place with himself so that we can truly engage in all that he has to provide for us. And so prayer must include confessing our sins and saying sorry for the wrong things that we have said and thought and done. But then prayer is also very importantly asking God that his spirit would move powerfully across this land and across the world to stem the tsunami of destruction from this virus and to bring healing and hope across the nations. There are times when those prayers will become very personal. You may already know of people who are seriously ill with coronavirus. And sadly, there will be more we are led to believe in the coming weeks. Pray for them. Pray God's comfort and healing into their lives. Pray for those on the front line of medical care and for all the support networks that sit around that work. There is so much that we need to ask of God at this time. And he says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. But then prayer is also, at times, just resting in God's presence. And sometimes the most effective prayer is the prayer that is without words. 
It is that powerful silence, truly to be still and to know that he is God. And in all the confusion that surrounds us, in all the concerns and anxieties that we naturally have, he is right at the centre. A door is open to prayer for you and for me today. And then that same door is open to peace. There are many people who are anxious and fearful at this time, and it's very understandable. And you may find that fears are rising up in your own mind. Anxious thoughts come crowding in. And the Apostle Paul has some very clear words to say in the letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, and verses 6 and 7. And he quite simply says, do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Very often we think of peace negatively, as the absence of war or the absence of noise or clamour or pressure. But the Bible speaks of peace positively. Peace is the presence of God in our lives and it leads to blessing wherever it goes. Peace is strong and resilient precisely because it is the overflow of the nature of God. God himself is the God of peace and it is he who is promising peace into our hearts and lives. And when we've received his peace, it sets us a guard around our hearts and minds from all anxious thoughts and keeps us safe, whatever life throws at us. So today, God is saying to you and me, I've placed before you an open door. It's an open door to Christ, to encounter him, the living word. It's an open door to prayer, to talk to him in all those different manners of praying that I touched on. And it's an open door to peace, to allow God's spirit to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Today, God has placed before you and me an open door. Don't walk away from it. Walk through it. Amen.